back once again to help you get your shit together. It is the Integrateness Podcast with Jason and Jolene. I'm Jason. She's Jolene, that gal right over there. Uh, how are you, Jolene? How's your week been? Oh, it's been good. It's been good. How's yours been? Yeah. You know, it just feel, it feels like I'm living in the future all the time doing these shows because well, we record so far in advance. <laughs> so. And, and I'll be honest, guys, every time we release an episode and I want to go talk about it on our uh, Instagram page, I have to re-listen to the episode because I can't remember what I said when I recorded it. <laughs> well, because it's always like we're, we're well ahead of the game. And I, I kind of we decided as a conscious decision, we wouldn't try to do this just week, literally week to week because it's it just our schedules are too crazy. And it's just always better to be ahead of the game. Um, which is also why we don't tease what we're doing next week because we have no fucking clue. Um, <laughs> did that once if anybody noticed and we totally shit the bed when it came to the next week. Cause we both forgot what we said we were going to talk about the next week. Exactly. And that's the thing about this podcast though. So Jason and I both work fairly intuitively and like we're led and guided into like what feels right in the moments. And that's actually what we do when we sit down these mornings, we're like, what are we talking about today? And we, record with minimal scripting and i think that's actually what you guys are really jiving with so many people have been messaging me saying like i love the content it's so relevant and i think it's because we're both kind of guided to say what we say and it and it just applies in the moment and it's relevant to what we need to hear now kind of thing exactly which is interesting that we decided like about a minute and a half ago that we today was going to be about depression and anxiety. And we've talked about this off and on because those are kind of two of the really big mental health issues. So many people, I think everybody deals with depression and anxiety to some degree. It's impossible to avoid it at any point in your life. Um, it's something I've struggled with my entire life. Julian, I know you've talked about that too, especially when you're younger, going to school, how it was a something you, you battled. Um, and it seems becoming more and more prevalent, especially after like the last two shitty, shitty, shitty years that we kind of survived. Um, what are you finding? Like, I'm finding there's a lot of anxious people out there, Jolene, a lot of people who are depressed. Yeah. So as I'm sitting here listening to you, I'm almost disputing that statement of like claiming them to be mental health issues because it's funny when we want to categorize it like that, because we almost like other it like, oh, that doesn't apply to me. That's a mental health issue. Um, when, when I hear that statement, right? Like, and I, and I mean, that's what I've done for years working in the field. Right. But like, as I was just listening to that and feeling that I was like, you know, this is a life effect. Like no one person goes without sadness in their life or worry in their life. And it's when that gets excessive, if you were to ever look at the DSM four, which is the diagnostic manual for actually diagnosing mental, you know, illness or things like that. Um, there's standards and, and and categories you have to fit in. And essentially one of the defining things is like when these cluster of symptoms are occurring for a prolonged period of time. So I think it's a delicate balance of remembering that like every single person experiences the things that um, show up with depression or the symptoms that show up with anxiety. It's just to the extent of how much they control and interfere with your life. How debilitating are they? And that's going to ebb and flow. And it's all on this continuum. So I love to just like embrace it as an effect of life. It is something we all experience and like no one person is uh, like protected from it. Right. So recognizing like, oh, how much 
depression may I experience in my life? Well, I might be a three out of 10 most days or an eight out of 10 other days, or maybe I'm one of the people that tends to experience more of the depressive symptoms than somebody else and recognizing where you are on that continuum and how you help kind of strike that balance in your life a little bit. What I want to look at here is just giving you guys some examples and just kind of some definitions. We like to use the same language. So when we're looking at depression, essentially you're looking at your mood and ability to function. Okay. Those are the biggest things. There's many different types of depressions. If we were to look clinically, you've got like, you know, major depressive disorder, situational depression, there's postpartum depression, there's bipolar depression, which is a part of an illness. There's um, you know, even like a premenstrual dysphoric disorder that has depression in it. There's psychotic depression, seasonal affective disorder stuff, which is all around like, you know, winter blues kinds of things. Recognize there's a whole bunch of different pieces of it, but essentially there's like the predominance of sad feelings, thoughts of hopelessness. Um, a lot of like, I find depression and anxiety hold hands. They often co-occur. They often activate each other or worsen uh, each other sort of thing. Being irritated and frustrated. A lot of people don't realize a lot of those kind of mood symptoms, the anger, irritability, things like that. Those are symptoms of depression. A lot of people just think it's the sadness or I'm crying or I have no um, pleasure in life anymore. Things like that. We were talking about nutrition last week. Uh, nutrition appetite is very impacted. So you're either having like too much appetite, not enough. It's going to impact your sleep. And again, when you listened last week, you know how integrated our system is. You shift one thing and everything else changes. Same thing here. But what I also notice is there's so much physical stuff that shows up with depression. And we'll talk about that with anxiety as well. But so many physical things, people with chronic headaches, stomach aches, um, you know, sexual dysfunction, lack of like a, a lot of like uh, fibromyalgia cases, things like that are just so psychosomatic in their symptoms, meaning there is a lot of psychological origin behind what the somatic, the physical symptoms are. Okay. And when we talked about trauma showing up in the body, this is going to kind of bring up some of those aha moments for people. Some, and, and of course you've got suicidal ideation that comes in as a symptom of that as well. Right. So we're always looking at the combination of these experiences and what does that cocktail of depression look like for you? Cause it might look different for somebody else's cocktail of depression. Okay anxiety symptoms. This is that like really rubbed up uh, piece. And I think that we are a way more anxious society than we used to be because we just don't have as much mental discipline. We have too much stimuli coming into our lives. We were never meant to interpret the opinions of thousands of people around us and people who have a lot of followers on social media. Like I maybe could manage like the 30 kids that were in my classroom growing up, but now I've got like 600 and some people that may want to give their opinion. And now us on our podcast, how many are we, are we at the millions yet, Jason? <laughs> I almost. <laughs> Right. But like all of these people, like we were never meant to take in this much sensory information. Right. So that's revving up our system inside. So a lot of that really wound up feeling um, being easily tired. So like constantly kind of feeling like that breakers blowing a little bit difficulty, concentrating, being irritable, a lot of that physical stuff like headaches, muscle aches, stomach aches, unexplained pains. And when we look at anxiety, as these are the red flags, I always liken it to the analogy of the car. You get into your car and your dashboard lights up with all of these warnings. That's what anxiety is for us, but that's also our intuitive sense. So is it actually an illness that we're experiencing or is our intuition saying, get the fuck out of this, or this person's not safe, or you're doing something you don't want to be doing. You're overriding what feels right for you right now. 
that's what anxiety looks like. But instead we shut all of that down because we have to continue carrying on with what we're doing or, you know, go back, listen to our boundaries episode where we talk about why we do things we don't want to do because we're worried about, you know, upsetting others, rejection, all this stuff. Right. So I think, I think that we have become so disconnected from ourselves that we've misinterpreted and mislabeled our intuitive guidance as anxiety in many cases. And then we also, again, live in this revved up culture, right? And we can't control our feelings and worry. And this is why I'm such a meditation fan, because if we could control those thoughts coming into our mind, we can so control how we are interacting with the world because our nervous system will dictate what our thoughts say about a situation. And if our nervous system is always activated through highly anxious states, um, then we are not going to be able to control rational thinking and judgment around the situations that we're in. Does that make sense? Oh, it all makes total sense. I mean, I'm one of those people It always, even, even like sadness for me, it's always manifested itself in, in frustration, short temperedness, you know, being angry, even as a kid, like I wouldn't get sad. I would like huck something through, through a door you know, <laughs> or pull a door off a hinge. I actually did that once. I was just so just pissed right off and it wasn't a pit that was mad. I was just so upset about something and that's how it's all and I've, so i've always been able to identify i'm getting short-tempered my son's asking me a bunch of questions that are legitimate but i just don't want to listen to them or answer them because i don't know how because my brain can't focus on even coming up with an answer that i am obviously anxious slash depressed um and i think i've noticed a lot of it in the last few years since a lot of my work has switched online like I'm hitting the point where I'm hitting burnout. Like I'm, I don't want to be online. I'd like to get rid of my Instagram. I'd like to get rid of my face. Like I'm just done. And I've got like last two years, 1400 followers or something on, on my Facebook. And it's like, I don't know who these people are. It's great. You like my stuff. It's because of what I do. You like my stuff, but I don't know you. And it's just kind of like, I, I'm really reevaluating that because it is so much stimulation constantly of people with questions and wanting to know stuff. So I, I totally relate to everything you just said. And I think it's become a societal problem children are more anxious now than they used to be um you know and it's just yeah as, especially as a parent i'm really realizing where our world is at and we're going to talk about in a future episode living within our society but not wanting to be within it that's the, the my poor way of describing it uh, but it's a feeling that i've been getting to where it's just like i don't like the world around us it's not good for us and we need to step out of it somehow mm-hmm. end of rant <laughs> That's just a foreshadow into what's coming. But yeah, so really looking at, you know, I actually am going to take a little bit of a flip spin on that because as I was listening, I wanted to play devil's advocate a little bit too, is like, I also think that we are becoming a more conscious culture a little bit. So I look at that like 20 to 30 year olds and they're a lot more aware of like, connection with self, authenticity. Those were words I never had in my 20s. Okay. So what's I, that yeah. mean? <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Yeah, younger generations are starting to kind of, uh, you know, explore um, way more connection and like collective healing kind of things. And, you know, looking at us doing this in in, in our later years now and stuff. I mean, not that late, right, Jason? Um, yeah. <laughs> but essentially what that means is we are going to feel more. So I was raised by a fairly emotional, numbed out generation, right? So... Now, if we are experiencing worry and sadness more openly, and now as parents, we're allowing our children to feel that more, do they actually have more anxiety or are they less numbed out and able to express it? So I'm always curious about that. Like maybe what we have is a normal amount of us feeling feelings finally. And 
we just don't have a threshold or tolerance for it because it's that is was deemed too much before. So I think we have a combination of both of these things co-occurring at the same time. I'm just like literally putting these thoughts together right now, but it makes sense to me. Um, because I do think we live in that overstimulated culture and there's so many other things that people are worried about. There's all these standards and statuses and, you know, keeping up with the Joneses in ways that like did not matter before, before it was like, whoever lived next door to you is who you might compare yourself to. You couldn't look across and find all these other resources and people to easily at your fingertips compare yourself to. Right. Um, but I think, I think there's maybe a combination of both those things, right? I allow myself to feel and express way more things than maybe I used to before when I wasn't feeling as safe in my life to do that. And then also people on their healing journeys, they'll be like, Jolene, like my house of cards was nice and protected until I come in here. And now I'm feeling all the feels. And I said, yeah, cause this is what healing is. Like you, you can't just experience joy we, if we want to experience joy, we have to be willing to experience that intense um, emotion of sadness and the same intensity as um, anger and the same intensity. Like when you turn intensity up on one emotion, you have to be willing to experience it in all of them. And we oh. just want pleasure and joy and happiness so much that we like shut down the rest of them. Does that make sense? Well, it does. And it's something that I've done like with my work with Alicia Kutop. Right. Like kind of getting in tune with all these different feelings. I've, I've had a lot of walls up my whole life and I don't like feeling compassion for other pe people, especially ones I don't know or like, you know what I mean? But those, these walls have been coming down and yeah, it, it fucking sucks. Like I hate it. I hate feeling things, especially for like other people that I don't know. Like I have a small group that I do like to feel things for. And then when I see other people, when you run into them in your day and they're kind of having a bad day, you know what I mean? And you can tell and they suddenly just need to offload because you're in the checkout line and they need to talk to you. <laughs> it's just kind of like this moment. So it's getting used to all that and then being able to empathize with it. And I think, I think that's a plus, but I think as a society, we're feeling it, it's overload, especially after two years of feeling such anxiety and depression at not being able to connect. You know what I mean? So we've had this pent up feeling and now it's just coming out everywhere and we need to somehow learn how to regulate a bit mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it, i think that's and, and as people who struggle already with a depression and anxiety you got to learn how much you're willing to take in and when you're willing to like your boundary when it's like whoa whoa like i don't know you it sucks you're having a bad day i'm sorry but i i can't be your sudden insta counts counselor in the checkout lineup right now you know what i mean like and being able to say that and not and, not, and be okay with what, however that reaction comes. Absolutely. Like, and, and again, the boundaries, protection of self and protection of the other person. If you can't hold what they're throwing out there, right? Like I'm mm. going to burn you. I am not your container right now. Um, yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's interesting. Like I um, have always kind of, I've always had a big heart. I've always been a big feeler. And, and I think that's why I was super shy and like, like very introverted as a, as a younger child, because it was overload for me and it was very overwhelming. Um, but you know, in this stage of my healing journey, my heart has been broken many times. And, and again, like I'm holding my hand up, like that's, that's my responsibility, right? I was in those situations and I understand what put me in them, but I also always made a commitment to myself that if I am if I am to experience the depth and the like true benefit of what like open heart love looks like just in general of leading my life with an open heart, I have to be willing to feel the pain of that at the same time. And like 
sharing love. And I don't just mean romantic love. I mean, love in all partnerships and just collectively as well, like comes with the risk of the same kind of hurt and heartbreak. And if you protect yourself from that all the time, then you're never going to truly benefit from like the, the beauty of it. So that's always been like an agreement I've made with myself, but I also recognize I have like been through much heartache and there's huge risk and processing that has to happen with that. And I am like a bit of a, um, yeah, I, I, that's, that, that, that's a part of my journey and always has been kind of thing, but it's also around making capacity and validating for yourself, really understanding, like you started to understand and and self-reflect and really appreciate where emotion played a role in your life. How many people out there actually validate for themselves how much sadness they truly feel how much loneliness they truly feel how much worry they truly feel how much um like self-depreciating belief systems that they have because validation is typically the first thing we're looking for it really is and until you can validate it in yourself you're never going to get that validation externally enough to like actually heal that wound fill that wound fill that void hug that wound whatever we want to call it right So for so many people listening to this, like, think about right now, the amount of maybe sadness you feel, what are some of the hardships in your life? Have you ever really sat with yourself and been like, holy shit, I've been through a lot. And again, Jason and I get it. We are both survivors and we are like pedal to the metal, get through shit. And we've done that at times in our lives and been really proud at like how much I can produce and this and this and this. But there comes a time where you hit the rest stop on the side of the road and you got to be like, what the fuck did I just drive through? That was, <laughs> that was crazy. And you have to have that moment of honesty with yourself because that is essentially which so many of us are chasing externally in our relationships. And we are never fulfilled because we're not getting that from others. We are definitely not getting that to the degree that we need to just validate and sit with what we've been with. The minute we can do that, you can evaluate what you need, right? Do I need more connection with people? Do I need more connection with myself? Which is inadvertently means disconnection from others. And I took that for a couple of years post-separation, right? Um, I disconnected from others and just really went inward, you know, like that's what I needed was more connection to myself because I'd become so disconnected from myself that it was impacting like everything who I was, you know, um, in, in many ways, right? So really giving yourself a chance to like diagnose the issue, just like when you take your car into the mechanic, right? They'll throw it on that machine now and they'll diagnose the issue. And then they kind of look at what parts need repairing. Same thing with this. Like, where's the predominance of irritability in my life? Where am I feeling unsatisfied? So many people have job dissatisfaction or like what part of my life flows. This was a big reflection piece for me. What part of myself is flowing and feels in alignment and feels like that, like kind of that effortless mood movement and what parts feel really rigid, stuck, limiting, blocked, protected, fearful. And it became very clear to me where those pieces were. Absolutely. And I think I'm really glad you talked about taking that time for self-reflection because we all do need to do that. Um, And one of the things, like I, I talk about this a lot with the Stoic philosophy, that's one thing that I really turn to. And one thing that they are big on, and it's something I believe 100%, it's something my dad would always tell me too. If you can find that contentment and value inside yourself, you don't really need it from anybody else. They just add to it. They're like the icing on the cake. And I think not, like you pointed out, everybody's looking for it from somewhere else Mm -hmm. because no one wants to stop and spend time with themselves. Because when you do that, things can get pretty ugly pretty fast. You start to realize, oh shit, I'm not that happy as I want to be or or this isn't as satisfying for me, or I didn't deal with this from when I was a kid. 
Um, so that's something, especially if you're finding yourself with all those symptoms of depression and anxiety, and you're trying all these things, these external things to, to deal with that, and it's not working, that means you need to pause and go to that rest stop and start working on yourself. And then finding, say, someone like Jolene to, to, to get help from. It's really important. If you can heal yourself or work on yourself or feel the value of yourself, you will not need to find the external ones quite so much. And the big theme that comes up here from like a psychology type perspective is codependency. So codependency is a unhealthy dependence on another. So, you know, I'm interlocking my fingers right now. And that is like that enmeshment that we get into, especially in romantic relationships, close friendships, things like that, where we're relying on the other person as our source of happiness, stability, regulation, all those things. And we, again, same thing as the nutrition thing um, we talked about last week is we're conditioned for this at a young stage. Babies cannot, cannot keep themselves alive without a parent. So the parent has to give them their basic needs, comfort, food, shelter, you name it, in order for them to stay alive. As we start to get older, we start to individuate or we're supposed to. However, that becomes a really delicate balance. The parent could be in a perpetual state of overgiving and worrying that the child doesn't have enough and doesn't give the child enough independence. And then the child fears, I'm not okay to take care of myself. I need somebody else to do it for me. There's thousands of patterns we can talk about from that parent-child relationship. It goes both ways and there's no fault. It's just understanding what yours was growing up. But most people, especially in Western culture, um, our lives are quite codependent and many people are healing codependent wounds which means starting to take responsibility for soothing self managing self recognizing issues in self um, all of those things right like when the parent says oh you are tired oh you are hungry that child never has to regulate themselves or learn what their own cues are right so sometimes it's it's so much about coaching through that and like what is it that your body tells you here and instead of telling your kid they're hungry maybe say things like Ooh, what do you think you need right now? What is your body telling you? And equipping them. Like I never had that kind of language before. It was like, rely on someone else to help me feel better, right? The parent that hugs the child. And those are natural things are normal things growing up in childhood, but they also perpetuate codependency, right? So really the biggest thing is we all have codependent wounds and how intentional are you at um, healing those, right? And I, ideally, if we can get to a place of interdependence, like Jason was saying, where like, you, when you're truly content in your own space, and anyone else adds to it, and is a bonus to it, that is so beautiful, because now the pressure in the relationship for two people, um, friendships, romantic, whatever, even work relationships, um, there's less pressure there. You can just be yourselves and recognize not one person's really going to be sacrificing themselves, self-abandoning, giving too much of themselves. And there's going to be an equal flow of balance. I will bring my best product to the table. You bring your best product and together we can do this journey together. But what happens in codependent relationships is like, somebody's bringing their shittiest version of their car for this journey and expecting the other person to maintenance it. That is what codependency looks like. And think about our relationships, you know, especially early ones before we've done this healing in our life. If two codependent people, I mean, I'm putting my hand up here, been there, done that, right? Really understand what the value of this is and like how that strains a relationship so much and how you lose so much of yourself in it, right? Oh, huge. I think we've all been, I had one that was like that about 22 years ago. And oh my God, <laughs> like you know, and I was the one that needed the, the help. Like, you know, it was just, we both did, but me more crazy. Well, in, in different ways, right? Because that person obviously wasn't, um, wasn't brave enough to put boundaries up and, and things like that to encourage you to maybe do some of your own stuff. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it totally goes both ways. I mean, there's usually 
yeah, I mean, we, we, we come into partnerships like this for a reason, right? And every person I guarantee has probably had a codependent relationship or connection at some point. This is just, this is what we're here to evolve through, right? And when we talk about perpetual states of like depression, anxiety, um, and just feeling unbalanced mentally and wellness wise, we have to look at all these pieces. Where am I holding resentments in my life? Like go back and listen to our resentments episode because so much of this stuff is in there, right? And it's like, what are the predominant things that I struggle with that are constantly on replay in my head? Like, is there constant worry? Is the worry more about me not being enough or me not this and me not that, right? And what's the source? What's the root of that? Like, and where did we get these ideas from? Oh, well, because, you know, you you weren't good enough unless you made six figures or you weren't good enough unless, you know, and like, we've got these stories that replay, replay, replay. So I really encourage people just to look at like what perpetuates my state of feeling unwell or unbalanced. I just always think of harmony. Like, do I feel balanced? Do I feel last year was my year of peace. And and I just like anchored into all things that brought me peace. And when I was out of that state of being, was it something I was lacking or was it something that was disturbing my peace? And I was constantly reflecting on that. So try and think of your, you know, daily state as this state of balance and harmony and what is knocking you out of that today right now? And it's going to change all the time. And then you might find constants like I fucking hate my job or everything's great, but my relationship, like, and if you allow yourself to look at it factually without attachment to things or judgment to it, you can get a really clear picture of what you need. Now, choosing to do something about that is a whole nother story, right? I mean, when I start working with people through this, life changes. And I'll tell you, jobs change, relationships change. Put my hand up again. I know these are hard decisions. But if you're going to live in alignment with yourself and seek that harmony and balance, you have to be willing to look at the things that are really impacting that and to do something about it. And that's the quite often the hardest component is the doing something about it. And that's where most people stumble and fall. And most of the time doing something about it comes down to one thing, choosing yourself, choosing yourself. And we live in a culture where choosing yourself is considered by some narcissistic, by some um, selfish, you know, these kinds of things. And we grow up with these belief systems that you need to put yourself last, you know, women in particular, the martyring kind of complex for men, it's being the provider regardless of, you know, all of these Mm -hmm. kinds of things. And sometimes because of those predominant belief systems and and conditioning, societal conditioning, and there's so many layers to this, um, it choosing self becomes the hardest fucking decision in the world. However, it is truly the only thing that we're here to do. And every time we choose someone else over ourselves, we damage what we need. We interfere with what we need. We throw ourselves out of balance and we can help others and we can not choose ourselves at times. Absolutely. And that will be maybe more in alignment with our value systems. And I'm not self-abandoning here because my act of service is bigger than my self-abandonment. So we can always balance things out where we give ourselves to others and it doesn't have that same detrimental aspect as long as we're balancing it in other areas. But essentially, depression, anxiety, these perpetual states of being, and again, not at the clinical levels, but like, how are we experiencing these things on a daily basis? I was anxious multiple times over the last few days for various different reasons, and then sad for various reasons throughout them, right? It's this fluid state of emotions. And it's that constant rechecking of, and just being really honest with yourself about like, what's causing this right now? Just like if you were to have a pain in your foot right now, you'd be like, oh, what just happened? 
then you figure it out <laughs> and then it becomes less of a problem or you get more control over that problem. And that's really, I guess if there's one takeaway here, um, as we draw to a close is like depression and anxiety are always going to be with us. It's learning how to like so many other things, just manage and control it. So it's not overriding your life. Yeah. Like how high do you want it to move up on the spectrum? Do you want to keep it under a six out of 10 most of the time? And when it goes from a six to an eight, like that's when it really gets your attention. Like what's your threshold and where, where are you wanting to remain? Yeah. But yes, it is impactful um, for everyone. It is, it is a part of all of our lives. My, my thoughts. I like that. I like how, like we've just taken it out of the mental health category and just made it a natural part of being. So, you know, as they say on letter, Kenny, figure it out. <laughs> figure it out <laughs> anyways that brings another episode of integrateness to a close um and it was a good one it was thanks i rambled lots there but it was, it was, good. It was good rambling it made sense that's the important I, part of the rambling. i got daydreamy in my own head there guys <laughs> <laughs> I, I do that all the time so that yours makes way more coherent sense than my daydreams um julian and i'll be back next week with a whole new topic as we say we don't plan it ahead so just be ready for something very cool until then i'm jason I'm Jolene. We'll talk again next week.